ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is the Nerds Watching Wrestling Podcast, where we talk about the wrestles, the wrestle news, and anything involving the square circle. I am your host, the Southern Wrestling Scholar, ZJ Pierce, and I'm in the booth alone this evening. Like, life intervenes, sometimes the squad gets busy, and even me still, I'm getting ready to watch NXT Vengeance Day, but I have an assignment that I do for the people, and I promise I will not let y'all down. Um, I'm going to try to get through this kind of quick because there was no real news in the wrestling world outside of the obvious lawsuit that is still going on between Mr. McMahon and Ms. Grant. Um, once again, if you would like to know, the full coverage of that story and would like to read all the documents, you can check out the Wall Street Journal. They have everything you need. They have the text messages. They have the full 60-page lawsuit available at your leisure. Um, and yeah, pretty much this week has just been filled with all the backlash from that. Obviously, Triple H has come under fire for how he handled his questions about the lawsuit at the Royal Rumble press conference. As compared to people like Shawn Michaels, Cody Rose, and Bailey, who took the proper decorum in time to understand what's going on and plan accordingly from these questions, as opposed to Triple H, who pretty much just tiptoed around them. This is a great week for WWE. Mm, that's kind of debatable when one of your biggest sponsors pulled out of y'all's pay per view literally the day before. Like, if it wasn't for the resignation of Vince McMahon, um, if you guys noticed the Slim Jim commercial that aired during Eli Drake's entrance and the whole Slim Jim Universal Championship Fatal 4-Way, yeah, that Slim Jim sponsorship almost was not going to be there thanks to all these allegations and stuff. So, yeah, Triple H under fire for his way of handling it. Meanwhile, Cody Rhodes, Shawn Michaels, Bailey, and other superstars who were asked on the matter praised for their handling of this very delicate measure. We're still learning of repercussions from the lawsuit as alleged in the lawsuit, they name a former UFC champion being involved, being offered um, being um, offered this young lady, allegedly by Vince McMahon. Um, the easy kind of decision to see that it may have been, may have been, Brock Lesnar, once again, I don't like to talk about stuff like this. It's a situation. But with it being kind of thought of to be Brock Lesnar, as we know, Brock Lesnar's planned return for the Royal Rumble didn't happen. Instead, all his spots went to Braun Breaker. Um, if you noticed on WWE Shop this week, all of his merchandise was marked down and for sale. Um, his WWE profile page is pretty much gone. They are severing ties with Brock Lesnar until this thing is sorted out. And now it's even being reported that one of the men involved in said lawsuit against McMahon, one of his right hand, as CM Punk kindly put it, glad handy douchebag yes men, John Laurinaitis is now claiming victim in this situation, not saying, not saying Vince didn't do it, but saying Vince pretty much basically forced the higher-up team to cooperate, like now pretty much accusing Vince McMahon of leading a dictatorial-type locker room and backstage work environment, management environment, like 
treating WWE like a dictatorship, and like if you step if you step out of line, you get dealt with. So now John Laurinaitis is claiming victim. It's it's a it's it's not a good look. It's like PR is like there is such thing as bad PR, and this is it. This is not the time for this to be happening. But all we can do is just pray and believe in our legal system. Pray that justice is found and. Again, we will let you guys know any developments, but if you would like to if you would like to go do your own research and find out information about the lawsuit yourself, please check out the article that the Wall Street Journal has put out. Um with that being said, and nothing else dominating my newsways other than Kazuchiko Okada being a free agent, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about some wrestling. Because that's what I'm paid to do. That's why y'all listening to me right now. And I'm going to try to lighten the mood. So, let's jump into Monday Night Raw. This is the Raw after the Royal Rumble. Fantastic show. Loved her. And, yes, like we reported coming out of the Royal Rumble, CM Punk's um, reportedly tore his triceps in the Royal Rumble match. CM Punk's opened this week's episode of Monday Night Raw to confirm as such and that he will, in fact, be missing WrestleMania 40. This obviously being a huge blow as many people thought that Seth Rollins and CM Punk would be the headliner for more than likely night one of WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight Championship. That is now not happening as CM Punk is going to be out for quite a while. We do wish Mr. Punk the best in his recovery. Drew McIntyre confronts CM Punk saying basically he prayed for this to happen. Like if this was going to happen to anybody, this had to be you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, like Drew McIntyre has been on the social media test. If anybody is happy about this injury, it is Drew McIntyre. CM Punk promises that when he comes back, he will go for the World Heavyweight Championship, but not before coming for Drew McIntyre first. Drew McIntyre Attacks CM, well, CM Punk attacks Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre obviously gets the better of him because CM Punk has one arm at this point. Sami Zayn comes out and makes the save, setting the tone for Monday night's main event. Next, in the subsequent match, the Judgment Day took on DIY for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. And once again, this was okay. Um, if you watch this on TV, this was a commercial free match. The first hour of Raw was commercial free. And Judgment Day and DIY made sure to take advantage of every single minute. They put on a fantastic back and forth tag team match, which could have gone either way. But this night belonged to the Judgment Day after we hit Tommaso Ciampa with the high cross, coup de grace, stomp combination. After the match, Damian Priest invites our truth to the ring where Damian Priest admits that he likes R-Truth. He finds R-Truth to be a funny guy. R-Truth keeps interrupting him because, you know, R-Truth really just wants to be in a Judgment Day. He's been going out selling merchandise, repping for the Judgment Day, trying to paint him in a better light. This has honestly been my favorite story since R-Truth came back. Like, I loved every bit of it. But it, with all that being said, Damien Priest said, because you are so nice, so humble, so good, I'm not going to be the one to do this to you, which leads to an attack from J.D. McDonough, Dominic, and Finn, 
as Preacher stands in the corner. The Miz attempts to come out and make the save, but is also left laying by the hands of the Judgment Day. In my humble opinion, the awesome truth should dethrone the Judgment Day for the tag team titles at WrestleMania. That's just me. I feel like they deserve it. Our truth definitely deserves our truth above all else deserves a WrestleMania match. I'm saying it in 2024. My man deserves better. I need that for him to happen. Up next, Zoe Stark and Shayna Baszler took on the team of Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. Match was about two minutes. Zoe Stark hits Piper, um, hits Chelsea Green with the knee. Okay. Up next, Cody Rhodes comes out and gets ready to address his Royal Rumble match challenger for WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia when he is then interrupted by Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins cuts an impassioned promo that at first the crowd isn't on his arm side because Seth Rollins says Cody Rhodes should face Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins says that he should face that Cody should face him because Seth Rollins has the workhorse championship. He's had the championship that is main evented on these live events that is showed up every week, that is defended every week. Um, it's the championship that people don't have to politic for like they do for the WWE championship. This is the championship that Dusty Rhodes would have held. This is the workers' championship and basically gave his all into this promo. Cody said that he would think about it. Next in action, Bronson Reed takes on main event Jay Uso and the Battle of the Splash. That's how I, that's how I quote it. Um, again, very hard hitting affair. Jay Uso primed to do something this year as far as championship gold is concerned. Once again, like I believe he could be Intercontinental Champion by the end of the year. Had a great showing against Bronson Reed, won with the Uso Splash. It is revealed in the backstage segment that Andrade signs with Monday Night Raw. Andrade making his return at the Royal Rumble after spending about three years over in AEW as Andrade El Idolo is now back in the WWE alongside his, I guess, still wife, Charlotte Flair. So can't wait to see what Mr. Andrade does on Monday nights. Becky Lynch still wants Rhea Ripley's Raw World Heavyweight Champion, Raw World Heavyweight Championship. Rhea Ripley is still the world champion. Becky Lynch wants to prove that she is better than Rhea Ripley and she's going to come for that title one way or another. We then have a hard-hitting Intercontinental Championship match as Gunther takes on former three-time Intercontinental Champion Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston put up a hell of a fight, but unfortunately it wasn't always going to be believable that Kingston was going to dethrone the ring general. Um, Gunther won with the power bomb afterwards. Um, Imperium come out to attack both Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, leaving them laying. I love this new vicious side of Imperium. It's going to lead to a tag team title run, in my opinion. The Kabuki Warriors make their return to Monday Night Raw as the new women's tag team champions to take on Tegan Knox and Natalia. Once again, pretty standard match just to set the tone. And the pace for the women's for the women's tag team division now that we have new champions. The Kabuki Warriors win with a kick combination into the insane elbow. 
Afterwards, Bailey seems to announce that she will fight Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. Um, Bailey, of course, being all Royal Rumble winner here in 2024. But as Rhea comes out to remind Bailey that that might be a bad idea, Nia Jax brutally attacks Rhea, leaving her long laying. Tells Bailey while she's in the corner, you can choose whoever you want, but I promise by WrestleMania, Rhea will not be world champion. Bailey decides, hey, you know what? Just gonna make my decision on SmackDown. It's okay. Don't worry about it, girl. Like, you got it. And in our main event, Drew McIntyre took on Sami Zayn. Once again, just perfect styles clash between Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn. I love every time they are in the ring together. Um, closing moments saw Drew McIntyre getting in the corner as Sami Zayn sets up for the Haluva kick. Sammy makes the run and does the kick. Drew cowers in the corner inadvertently, at least from the camera's perspective, catches Sami Zayn with the low blow, leading obviously to the Claymore for the win with Drew McIntyre standing tall on the night. So Drew going from laughing at CM Punk to winning the main event match of Monday Night Raw really, really might put Drew McIntyre where he wants to be. Drew McIntyre says he wants to win the world championship in front of people and have the reign that he was denied during the pandemic. Now there's no CM Punk in the way. I just took care of Sami Zayn. And while Seth is begging Cody to face him, who knows, Drew could possibly win the Elimination Chamber and make that match his. So all in all, a pretty solid episode of Raw. Aside from a couple of dud women's tag team matches, I give this match, I give this show as a whole, a solid 7.4 out of 10. Monday Night Raw continue being the flagship show of the world wrestling entertainment. Switching gears now over to the black and gold or black or gold and white, whatever it is. It's NXT Tuesday's favorite little wrestling program that could. And this is the go home show before the Vengeance Day pay-per-view PLE streaming on Peacock tonight, Sunday, February 4th. And we start off this week's episode of NXT with a semifinal match in the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic as LWO take on Trick Mello Gang. Um, obviously, Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes being the focal point of NXT for the last few months with Trick Williams naturally migrating to the main event scene and seemingly a little bit of jealousy from Carmelo Hayes about him doing it. They continue to still tell this very slow burning story of Minty about to overcome the mentor, but it didn't play much of a factor into this match as they went out and put on a classic tag team synergy field match with the LWO former NXT tag team champions as Legado del Fantasma, Cruz del Toro, and Joaquin Wild. Um, just a very good tag team match. Action was crisp all around, wanting the This Is Awesome chant with Trick Mellow Game. Finally getting the dub with Trick Williams' flash knee. Afterwards, Obafemi comes out and attacks the LWO before being before attempting to be saved by Dragon Lee with all three luchadors being laid out by the North American champion and NXT breakout star winner. Once again, presenting Obafemi as such a powerful threat and powerful champion um, so soon after winning the breakout tournament, I cannot wait to see what is next for that young man. Ridge Holland demands a match with all three members of Gallus to 
um, to which the general manager Ava says that she can't make because you know Ridge might need some partners, but instead gets annoyed by Lexus King and Ava says you can fight him, which is good enough for her. Um, after being put through a table last week at the contract signing, Roxanne Perez takes on Tatum Paxley. Like um, Roxanne Perez on the ver- like on the path to winning her NXT Women's Championship back that she had to vacate last year due to injury after her match with Mako Satamore has never been beaten for that championship is now the number one contender. And like I said, after being viciously attacked by Tatum Pashley, who has this weird stalkerish obsession with the women's champion, Lara Valkyria, like to all my wrestling fans of a certain point, it's really giving Mickey James Trish Stratus, just, you know, without all the sexual overtones. But still, a very good story all around. Roxanne Perez picks up the win in a very standard match with the Pop Rocks, after which Tatum and Roxanne attempt to get into a fight, which Lyra Valkyria breaks up, essentially. Again, not picking sides, because Lyra is not on Tatum's side, which is like Lyra is as confused with Tatum's infatuation as most people are. But I do understand about Lyra not wanting these two to get involved, because you don't want Roxanne Perez to have any excuses if she goes into this match. And you want Roxanne at 100%. These two women are going to light it up at Vengeance Day. Fallon Henley challenges Ariana Grace to a match after Fallon Henley catches Ariana Grace giving Ren Sinclair pretty much some bad advice. Because, you know, um, Ariana Grace kind of this debutante pageant queen-ass character to Fallon Henley's country hard-working Go get them attitude. So we will see them in later competition. Electra Lopez then takes on Lola Vice. Once again, um, this was pretty much Electra Lopez's song song, as she is now on SmackDown alongside Legado del Fantasma again. Lola Vice wins with the roundhouse kick. Dijak and Joe Gacy have been embroiled in several backstage brawls throughout the evening, leading to a point where Joe Gacy is thrown from the top of a tractor truck. Well, you know the 18-wheelers. Um, I call them tractor trailers. They're thrown from the top of the tractor trailer into a dumpster. Ava comes out to reprimand him. Dijak um, says he'll take Joe Gacy in a notice qualification match at Vengeance Day. Joe Gacy essentially rises from the dead, says, okay, and just falls back and said, trash can. Ridge Holland takes on Lexus King next with Lexus King winning with the coronation following Gallus' interference. Afterwards, Gallus brutally attacks Ridge Holland, including hitting his hitting his ankle with a chair while it was trapped inside of another chair, like proving further to Ridge Holland that after breaking up with the brawling brutes, he has no friends. We get ready to say goodbye to chase you. As Duke Hudson, Raleigh Osborne, and Andre Chase are giving their farewell speeches before J.C. Jane and Thea Hale reveal that they have been working on a plan to save Chase U. And yes, this is low-key a plug to WWEshop.com because I'm going to go as soon as they go on sale in order to save Chase U. 
We have the 2024 Women of Chase U calendar. Yes, the hot girl spread is available. They will go on sale tonight at the start of the Vengeance Day pay-per-view. And all proceeds will go to the Chase U debt relief fund. Make sure you get your Chase U hot girl calendar. My producer shaking his head like I'm not going to buy him one. We are going to have these Chase U calendars. Chase U doing it big in NXT. Got to get that. Fallon Henley then has her aforementioned match with Ariana Grace. Ariana Grace comes out on top after interference from Lash Legend and Jakara Jackson, meaning there's definitely about to be a tag team feud between Sinclair and Henley and the Metaphor Girls. Can't wait to see where that goes. We have two hyped interview packages from Out the Mud and the D'Angelo family as they get ready to compete in a six-person mixed tag team match at the Vengeance Day PBLE. And Noam Dar defends his NXT Heritage Cup against Von Wagner. Von Wagner, um, for those who've been keeping up with NXT, after he's healed from his brain injury at the hands of Braun Breaker, feels that he needs to do something to step up and prove that he's a major player in this game. So he decides to go for the Heritage Cup. Um, not really knowing what the British rules were, because you definitely see him still attacking them after the thumb bell time, not really knowing about the time limits. Woodoo, 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 woodoo. Noam Dar definitely taking advantage of Wagner not knowing the rules of the match. Wins the match 2-0. Afterwards, start taunting Robert Stone's kids, who was ringside with Von Wagner and Mr. Stone, just pretty much for uh, Oral Minster to go through the table. And finally, in our main event segment, Trick Williams and Ilya Dragunov go face-to-face, where if you've been watching over the past couple of weeks, you see Carmelo's putting any and everything in Trick Williams' head to make him believe that Ilya Dragunov is the one who attacked him all the way back in October. Yes, I said October. That's how we weren't even having a podcast where Carmelo Mays attacked this man, allegedly. But Ilya assures Trick that he's not playing any mind games. He just wants the best for Trick Williams and that this Sunday, hopefully, the best man wins their NXT championship match. They are then attacked by also Dusty Rose tag team classic finalists, the Wolf Dogs, Baron Corbin, and Braun Breaker before Carmelo Hayes comes out and makes the save. Trick Williams stands tall in the middle with his challenger on his left and his tag team partner on the right. Vengeance Day card is set. NXT is out the window. And now it is my distinct honor to present the Vengeance Day card. This is what I'm... Working to get out of here to go see. And it's going to be a heck of a card. NXT always shows out when they put on their PLEs. And I feel like tonight is going to be no different. Opening up the Vengeance Day card will be the finals of the men's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. As the Wolf Dogs, Baron Corbin, and Braun Breaker take on Trick Metal Gang, Carmelo Hayes, and Trick Williams. Obviously, the winners getting their names on the men's side of the Dusty Cup and a future tag team championship match. Speaking of the tag team champions, the D'Angelo family are in action as they team with Adriano Rizzo to take on Out the Mud, Lucian Price, Bronco Nima, and new associate Jaden Jada Parker. 
Again, just going to be some good six-man televised match. I cannot wait to see what Adriana Rizzo brings to the table. This would be the first match I've seen her in. I saw Jada Parker in the women's breakout tournament late last year, and she had an amazing showing. Cannot wait for them. Speaking of the breakout tournament, breakout tournament men's winner, Obafemi, will be defending his North American Championship against Dragon Lee in a rematch. Obviously, Dragon Lee defeated Alexis King three weeks ago for the NXT North American Championship, in which case Obafemi came in, cashed in his breakout contract, and defeated Lee for the title. And Obafemi basically said that if you want this championship, you have to earn your way to it. Dragon Lee has earned his way back into a rematch. And it's going to be a hard time wrestling this championship away from this big, powerful man. We'll see if Dragon Lee can do it. Also, just in a battle of strength and aggression, we have Joe Gacy taking on Dijak in a no-disqualification match. Joe Gacy now finding his footing after everything that happened with the schism. He's reverted over to the good side. He's... Kind of, he's kind of like a he's gone from a new age Bray Wyatt to kind of a new age Kevin Owens type deal. Like it's it's real special the metamorphosis of his character. He's able to hold the people still, and I cannot wait for this hard hitter match. If you like tables, you probably gonna get them here. Um, like I said, Lyra Valkyria will defend her NXT Women's Championship against Roxanne Perez again. Roxanne Perez never losing. The NXT Women's Championship had to vacate her due to injury. And ever since she's lost that championship, she has been on a warpath to get a bag of changing the attitude, changing the meat a little more rough around the edges. But will those rough edges be enough to take down the Valkyrie and Lyra Valkyria? We will see. And in our main event, the Mad Dragon takes on NXT's fastest rising star, the most overman in professional wrestling to me currently, like, that's just my humble opinion. Indio Dragunov takes on Trick Williams. Like I said, Trick Williams pulling double duty as he will be in the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic Finals. And then we'll go on to face the Mad Dragon. I hope my boy Trick Willie isn't in over his head because he is going to need everything in order to take that championship away from the Mad Dragon. But yes, that is the overview of NXT and NXT Vengeance Day. I cannot wait for that Vengeance Day card. I give NXT this week a good 8.2 just because we're furthering the stories and the actions was Chris. But once again, um, by the time this episode comes out, Vengeance Day would have been over. I'm sure it's gonna been I'm sure it would have been a four out of five show. And I cannot wait to, to come to you guys next week with the results. Now I'm going to move on to some elite competition over in AEW. Pretty fun episode of AEW Dynamite this week. Starting off hot with my personal favorite wrestler. Yes, he's still my favorite wrestler despite what's going on. Y'all don't know him like I know him. That's made me sound like a baby mama. I apologize. AEW opens with John Moxley taking on Jeff Hardy. Um, Jeff Hardy being more and more, a little more aggressive. But at the same time, kind of annoyed. Like, I can see a slow-burning heel turn forming for Jeff Hardy. I don't know how necessarily well they're going to be able to pull it off. Because um, a Jeff Hardy heel turn sometimes doesn't always work. I remember WWE tried in 2002 and went nowhere. TNA kind of successfully did it 
in 2010, 2011, but then that means we have to talk about Victory Road, and y'all know I don't like talking about that. So, but yeah, seeing the different aggression out of Jeff Hardy as compared to the normal juking, hand dancing, um, screaming swanton Jeff Hardy, it was nice to see that counterbalance, especially when taking on someone like John Moxley, who was just out here just to punish everyone. Blackpool Combat Club has one mission, and it's to get the week out of wrestling. John Moxley picks up the dub. Afterwards, he tries to extend the hand to Jeff Hardy, and in which case, Jeff Hardy just flips him off and curses at him. Very different, like not used to showing, not used to seeing Jeff Hardy show disrespect. Um, during the match, um, John Moxley was constantly taunting some of the wrestlers there representing CMLL as a couple of them do have matches on upcoming AEW programming. So after the match, the CMLL wrestlers took it upon themselves to attack John Moxley knowing that none of Black Bull Combat Club were there. They are saved by Chris Daniels, Matt Seidel, Coolhead, Angelo Parker, and Daddy Magic, Matt Menard. Um, setting up a match on Rampage, which the CMLL wrestlers actually won. Next, Hangman Adam Page takes on Toa Leona in the Dealer's Choice match. Obviously, the Dealer's Choice match is set up to where Swerve was able to pick Hangman's opponent, and he decided to pick the strongman from the Mogul Embassy. This was Toa Leona's singles debut in All Elite Wrestling. And if you're going to have a singles debut against somebody, Hangman Adam Page is absolutely the way I would go. These two put on a tremendously hard-hitting match. One of my favorite spots in the match involves most Moen spots anyway. Um, Hangman Page hit Toa with the dead eye just for Toa Leona to stand right up. What, like, you guys have to remember, wrestling one-on-one, Head moves do nothing to a Samoan. They canonically have the hardest heads in wrestling, which is not, which why it's no surprise that it took multiple buckshot lariats to put Toa Leona down. Hangman steady climbing the ranks to continue his path to the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Um, we catch the executive vice presidents of AEW. Matthew and Nicholas Jackson arrive into the arena. I have to make sure I call them that because I will get a very angrily worded tweet if I call them Matt and Nick Jackson. It is their God-given birth certificate names, Matthew and Nicholas. Like we catch them arriving to the building basically shunning the production team. We have more action as the Undisputed Kingdom's Wardlow takes on Commander. And usually in these matches, Warlow doesn't give a lot to his smallest opponents, but Commander, being the aerial rope genius that he is, did his very best to um, take down the War Dog from Cleveland, Ohio. Obviously came up short following two, falling to the last ride powerbomb, after which the Undisputed Kingdom attacked the Commander to be saved by AEW International Champion Orange Cassidy and the best friends. Roger Strong obviously thinks he's playing mind games with Orange Cassidy when it comes to the International Championship. However, I don't think Roger Strong has ever met Orange Cassidy a day in his life because mind games don't work on the coolest man in wrestling. The AEW World Tag Team Champions, Big Bill and Ricky Starks, have a sit-down interview with Darby Allin and Sting ahead of their Tag Team Championship match 
next week on AEW Dynamite where things get a little personal and hit it between Darby Allen. But once again, um, Sting coming towards the twilight of his career and now the AEW ranking systems back in play. Darby Allen and Sting being undefeated as a tag team for the last three years have shot them instantly to number one contender status. Ricky Starks, who I believe should have been a, sing- a big singles player, but I'm not mad um, at him finally getting some gold and Big Bill finally getting his tag team due. But this is a situation where I see that Darby Allen and Sting are easily going to walk out the victors of this match, but it's still going to be a good match um, all the same. Sting has put on nothing short but great performances since he's been in AEW, especially considering how his career was technically ended four years ago. Well, not existing four years ago, so cannot wait for this tag team championship match. Next in action, we have Chris Jericho taking on the Ring of Honor TV champion Kyle Fletcher in this never-ending rivalry with the Don Callis family. I don't like talking too much about Don Callis because everything just starts to get redundant. They put on a great match that Chris Jericho won after two Judas Effect elbows, one of the which came from the top rope. Gotta love how ageless Chris Jericho seems to be. Um, after the match, Takeshita came out on the ramp to hype their match for next week's Dynamite. In women's division action, Deanna Perrazzo, the virtuosa, took on La Huera Loca, Taya Valkyrie, with Tony Storm on commentary, obviously. Deanna Perrazzo coming in from TNA, making a huge impact, started going on a tear, and is now climbing the ranks in the AEW women's division. Um, Tony Storm's and Tony Storm's new character, not to Deanna Perrazzo's liking. Deanna Perrazzo just herself, not to Tony Storm's liking, feel that um, Deanna does need to focus on the past because if, he, she, if she continues to want the past Tony Storm, the new Tony Storm is going to run right through her. Deanna Perrazzo tapped out Ty Vactory with the version of the Venus de Milo with them brawling and talking mad smack afterwards. The Bucks then have a backstage altercation with Darby Allen, where the Bucks pretty much feel that Darby Allen is ducking them, not wanting to follow them on social media, none of that good stuff. While Darby Allen puts it plain and simple, y'all don't have my attention. The Bucks says they'll find a way to get his attention, so that means either they're going to cost Sting and Darby these tag titles, or they're going to challenge for these tag titles. Either way it goes, can't see what the Bucks and Darby and possibly Sting get into because it's already been rumored that Sting's last match at AEW Revolution would be the tag match between Sting and Darby versus the Young Bucks. Let's see if we get there in the end. And in our main event, in Swerve's dealer's choice match where Hangman Page gets to choose his opponent and match type, according to Hangman, apparently Swerve doesn't read contracts, Swerve took on hardcore legend, ECW home favorite, former WWE ECW and TNA World Heavyweight Champion Rob Van Dam. Yes, I did the thumbs thing. In a hardcore match with Samoa Joe on commentary. And this was everything you'd expect a hardcore match between Swerve and Rob Van Dam to be. Yes, there were Van Daminators, Van Terminators, shit chair shots, weapons galore. Swerve pulls out the victory. Following a brutal swerve stomp to the top, 
Swerve and Hangman 3 is confirmed to happen next week where the winner gets Samoa Joe for the World Heavyweight Championship. Lots of action on this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. A lot of stories further. The rankings are back and they're making sense. Um, Swerve and Hangman are about to have their third and hopefully best match in their series where Swerve is actually two up. So this is actually a do or die situation for Hangman Adam Page. And I cannot wait to see if he will sink or swim. And in the event that he does sink and Swerve is your new number one contender, I hope that Swerve and Samoa Joe put on a match for the ages. Once again, giving AEW a solid eight points. Switching gears now to everyone's favorite wrestling promotion that could. It is TNA Wrestling, and they open strong this week as the most wanted man, Nick Nemeth, the former Dolph Ziggler, takes on Trey Miguel. These two have an amazing back and forth contest showing why Nick Nemeth A is just was just criminally wasted in WWE. And B, showing that his style can match well with those of the X Division and the Indy guys. Nick Nemeth wins following the Danger Zone, but is then immediately attacked by Steve Macklin and Zachary Rentz with the Rascals and Macklin standing tall over Nemeth. Big, big con of the design, the former Conor O'Brien in WWE. Y'all remember him? He was in the Ascension. Big con basically says that the design is dead. Like, they keep wanting to try to resurrect and find new people to bring back into the design to make it work. Big Con says no more of that and leaves Cody Diener basically high and dry. TNA Knockouts Tag Team Champions Decay take on Mila Moore and Savannah Thorne and just pretty much a, just a warmer match to set the tone that, hey, Decay are back and we have these championships and it's going to take a lot more than just Dog collars and red lighting to get these belts off of DK, DK, DK. However, that's not going to stop MK Ultra, who wants their rematch before they are interrupted by Danny Luda and Jody Threat, who are upset that they were basically attacked for no reason after MK Ultra already won their match. And we set up a match later in the night for Masa Slamovich and Jody Threat. Um, we get the debut of a new TNA segment called Soundcheck with Alan Angels. Um, Alan Angels of the Dark Order fame for our AEW people. Um, he had on his show for the first guest, Walking Weapon, former TNA World Heavyweight Champion, Josh Alexander, and immediately steps on that man's toes to the point where he just leaves. My like, fastest talk show segment in professional wrestling history. You gotta love it. Brian Myers of The System takes on All Night Kevin Knight, The Jet. And like I said, Kevin Knight is easily going to be the future of TNA's X Division. That is a very hard-hitting, very smooth, technically sound young man who I believe is going to take the X Division into great heights in 2024. Like I said, he had an amazing match with Ace Austin last week, had an amazing match with Brian Myers this week, just came up a little short, but was obviously seen as such a threat to avoid a point that after Brian Myers won the match, the system wanted to give him a beat down to Mr. Knight only to be saved by his time splitter partner, Kushida, more than likely setting up a tag team match for them next week. 
We then cut backstage to Chris Saban saying how he plans on being a fighting champion in this new era in TNA to be interrupted via video package from one Mustafa Ali. Yes, like we said, Mustafa is slowly making his Ali world tour and he is bringing it to the impact zone. And Ali's first stop on his world tour is to become the X Division champion. After the bomb package plays, we are here from the good hands who come out and say that Mustafa Ali will be a better X Division champion than Chris Saban ever was in his 10 reigns of champion. One of them has a match with Chris Saban next week. Like, I haven't seen the good hands in a minute, so I can't remember which one was Jason Hodge or which one was um, Skylar Gray. But, yes, um, Chris Saban versus a member of the good hands next week. Frankie Kazarian comes out and explains why he betrayed Eric Young. And it basically comes down to Frankie Kazarian wanting to be the face of TNA wrestling. He's... He talked about how he left AEW and came back to TNA to try to save the brand and how basically he feels he was getting disrespected by all the other people coming back like EY um, when Team 3D came back at Impact 1000, basically when all of the knockouts returned. So, yeah, once again, just a case of sour grapes on Kazarian's part. He wants to be Mr. TNA while not being Mr. TNA. So, we'll see if his tears aren't going to be wasted. Um, Alex Shelley says that he's getting his rematch at No Surrender for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship against the Moose. We have a hype package for TNA's newest knockout, Ash by Elegance, the former Dana Brooke in WWE. Um, I'm I really hope that this Ash by Elegance thing goes somewhere. It's get, like it started to give Tony Storm vibes. Now it's starting to give beautiful people vibes. So we'll see what happens. Cody Diener comes out to confirm that the design is dead and that there's no point in trying to resurrect anything because whether it's a faction, whether it's a group, whether it's a tag team, whether it's a man, once it's dead, it's dead and it cannot be brought back to life. But oh my God, Coney Diener forgot that here in TNA, we have a wrestling Frankenstein. He's the French-Canadian Frankenstein. He is perfect creation one, and he never dies. PCO is immediately reanimated, put into a match with Cody Diener. Cody Diener loses said match to PCO via the PCO moonsault. And then Big Con, once again, former Conor O'Brien. Big Con comes out and lays out both Diener and PCO, declaring for sure, for final, that the design is dead. Big Con... Is now free from the shackles of the group. He's finally realized that how big he really is. He's starting to shake off the tag team cobwebs. And I'm excited to see what Big Con can do in the future as a solo star going forward. Again, um, a lot of Conor O'Brien's mainstream shtick was all, was a little goofy, was, was um, bootleg road warrior-ish. Because let's be real, y'all y'all never really believed in the Ascension. But I do believe in what Big Con is doing now, and I cannot wait. AJ Francis is still in the impact zone looking to recruit people. Top, the former top dollar of Hit Row in WWE, AJ Francis now is trying to recruit Rich Swan, saying that maybe if Rich Swan had some help in his corner, he wouldn't have lost on explosion to Joe Hendry this past Tuesday. Rich Swan says, Rich Swan puts it bluntly, man. Whatever you're trying to sell, we don't want. Mostly because no one around here messes with you. And that's because in real life, AJ Francis Top Dollar does have a big mouth that he just loves to run on social media. And like now that he's in a new company, 
Like it's showing Like you don't get to Talk your talk And then try to come up here And extend olive branches It doesn't work like that Masha Slamovich Defeats Jody Threat In a pretty standard match To continue to to Reinstate that MKUltra want Their women's tag team Championships back And in our main event The ABC Austin Bay Connection TNA World Tag Team Champions Ace Austin and Chris Bay Of Bullet Club Take on the Grizzled Young Vets, James Drake and Zap Gibson, in a best of three tag team title series. Yes, they are doing a best of three. Whoever can win two out of three matches will become your TNA tag team champions. And this first match was worked absolutely beautiful between these four men. Um, Grizzled Young Veterans proven why WWE are just dead wrong for putting them in slacks and t-shirts and contacts and calling them the schism shaved Zach Gibson's face because, man, the comparison in these wrestlers from GYV and schism are night. And they they put on a very hard-hitting match against the champions. The champions leaving nothing out of their arsenal to make sure they came out on top. But it just was not enough following throwing Chris Bray into the stairs. We hit Ace Austin with the grit your teeth double code breaker. Going one up in this best of three series. If the GYV pull it out next week, they immediately become your TNA tag team champions. So now the ABC have to fight from underneath to save their titles. Pretty decent episode of TNA. Everything was very action centered and everything that happened had a point. This week's TNA for me is going to be a solid 8.5. Once again, sorry for the shortness of this episode. Can only sit there and talk to yourself for so long But like I said I do it for y'all Because we gotta talk about this wrestling And this is where all of it mattered right here Because this is the story driven episode Of Smackdown after the Rumble Was in my home state of Alabama Two hours away in the Magic City of Birmingham And boy the Magic City definitely produced A magical episode of wrestling television Show opening with Logan Paul, who celebrates his disqualification win over Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble. Of course, Kevin Owens hitting Logan Paul with brass knuckles and leaving them on his hand when going for a pinfall was just baffling to me. But Kevin Owens says that as much as he would have liked to win the title at the Royal Rumble, knocking Kevin Owens out, I mean, knocking Logan Paul out felt so much better to him. But now he's ready to restore some prestige to the United States Championship, and that means taking it off of Logan Paul. Logan Paul claims that he outsmarted Kevin Owens. Okay, cap. Because, <laughs> like, baby, we've been watching Kevin Owens in NXT since. Like, we've watching Kevin Owens in WWE for almost 10 years. I remember his NXT debut. Like, you outsmarted who? Like, I definitely just got caught slacking. But Logan Paul says instead of worrying about me and your one shot at the U.S. Championship that you blew, you should be worried about the proceeding, um, the preceding match, which is Kevin Owens versus Austin Theory. KO and Austin Theory has always put on pretty good TV matches. Um, this time was no different. Logan Paul decided to work commentary. So when Grayson Waller obviously went for his mandatory distraction, Logan Paul, Logan Paul slid the brass knuckles into the ring. For Austin Theory to use, Austin Kevin Owens obviously sees it, takes the brass knucks, using them on Grayson Waller, 
and Austin Theory, Kevin Owens then smartly remembers to put the brass knuckles in his knee brace or his knee pad and gets the one, two, three over Austin Theory. We then go to a backstage segment where it is revealed that Naomi and Tiffany Stratton have both signed to Friday Night SmackDown with the latter saying that she, with the latter Stratton saying that she's not afraid to step up to the baddest woman in WWE in this segment, me and Bianca Belair, and making sure she is remembered. She then slaps Meechan Miriam across the face and runs off. And here's the thing that I found most interesting about this segment. Naomi has now been confirmed to have signed a contract with Friday Night SmackDown. She is officially a SmackDown superstar. Ladies and gentlemen, next week, Trinity works a tag team match with Jordan Grace against Giselle Shaw and Savannah Evans in the Impact Zone, meaning for the first time, meaning for the actual first time, a contracted WWE superstar will be competing in a match on TNA television. That's insane to me. That's beautiful to me. They didn't really take into consideration them TV tapings. But it's cool. It is going to be cool. I am happy for Naomi either way it goes. And I'm happy for Tiffany Stratton for getting her call up and signing signing to the blue brand. Because I said SmackDown needs more women in their focal point anyway. Because outside of Bianca Belair and Damage Control, we've had nada. So this is about to be a welcome refresher for me on the SmackDown side. We get... A video package with Legado de Fantasma promising to destroy Rey Mysterio's LWO and his legacy, which then leads into our next match, a fatal four-way number one contenders tag team qualifier match. As British Strong Style, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate took on LWO's Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde, who took on Legado del Fantasma's Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza, who took on Pretty Deadly. Very fun, very fun tag team match. When there's eight people involved, you know the um, action is always a little more driven to the excitement side. Who's going to do what? What can happen where? And again, just Chris Action Legato and LWO um, still embroiled in their feud with Alexa Lopez trying to get involved to be attacked by Zelina Vega. Um, comes down to Pretty Deadly. And British Strong Style in the ring where Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate hit the joint Tyler Driver on Kit Wilson for the win. They will now face whatever team wins the Monday Night Raw qualifier to become the number one contenders to the unified WWE Tag Team Championships. Next segment on SmackDown. It was a good segment, but I am going to spend a little time on it because I... I personally don't like the way this story was rushed. We get a backstage segment, almost evolution in Batista 2005-esque in its nature, where the Kabuki Warriors and EO Sky are basically backstage laughing at Bailey, saying that tonight she's pretty much done as far as damage control goes. Which then leads into Bailey and Damage Control coming out live with Bailey cutting her promo saying that this is all she's ever wanted and she couldn't have done it without her family, which was Damage Control, or so she thought, because now she has picked up 
on damage control talking about her laughing at her thinking that she's maybe the weaklings too much to the point that Bailey learned Japanese to make sure she knew what was going on and she starts making some valid points ever since Oscar and Kyrie Sane have gotten involved in the fold Io Shirai has kind of turned her back on her in a way to a point Dakota Kai kind of has too because if you look at it Dakota Kai has kind of been our universal translator she'll anything Io said Dakota Kai was ready to translate so Bailey wanting answers know what happened to damage control and why we're not as tight as we used to leads to an attack from the Kabuki Warriors um Io basically directing traffic like knew the attack was coming um Bailey able to save herself with a conveniently placed lead pipe between the um, steps um, as she swings at, I, at Kyrie and Oscar. EO looks as if she's going to hit Bailey with the title. Bailey looks like she's going to hit EO with the pipe, and we just have to stare down after EO gets out of the ring. Bailey makes the announcement that live at WrestleMania, points at imaginary sign, in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, two sisters go at it. Damage control implodes. 2024 Royal Rumble winner Bailey will challenge EO Sky for the WWE Women's Championship. Could not have happened to two better women. If it was two women I would want at WrestleMania, it is those two. Um, Bailey in particular, I say Bailey. Is WWE's women's wrestler. Everyone wants to, like, if you um, want the perfect career or you want to map out the perfect women's career, I'm sure a lot of people will look at Trish Stratus. They start looking at Charlotte Flair. They'll look, they'll probably say Becky Lynch got it. No. If you have watched this woman's career from start to finish, Bailey has had the perfect WWE women's career. Bailey came from ultimate jobber, fangirl type in NXT, earning the respect of all the fans, then slowly earning the respect of all her peers, became one of at one at one point was thought of to be the forgotten four horsewoman fourth horsewoman of the four horsewomen when you had Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, and Sasha Banks all come up at the same time. I never thought that because when those women came up, it then became up to Bailey to maintain the hottest women's division WWE had going in the, in the NXT women's division. And she did that, put it on, put it on banger matches with anyone she could, holding the NXT women's championship with pride before losing it to aforementioned Oscar. Look at Oscar just finding a way to make herself in Bailey career. But um on her call up, got called up on a pay-per-view, defeated Charlotte Flair on Monday Night Raw for the Raw Women's Championship, went on to defend that said championship in a fatal four-way at WrestleMania, would go on to win Money in the Bank, would go on to win the SmackDown Women's Championship, would go on to carry that championship and become one of the best women's characters through the pandemic era. She's the inaugural WWE, one half of the inaugural WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Um, she's now won the Royal Rumble match. There is nothing that Bailey hasn't done, and I'm so proud of her career, and I cannot wait for her main event, WrestleMania match, because she deserves that spotlight. And on the other hand of it, one of, one of my favorite Joshi wrestlers of all time, I remember the first time I saw 
Io Shirai was actually in Lucha Underground back when um everyone was just coming over to Lucha Underground. She was part of the Black Lotus Triad as as Hito Kiri, and I remember that awesome three three way match that also um that also featured Kyrie Sane in it as they pin, as they took on Pentagon in a it was a gauntlet match. They put on they took on Pentagon El Zero Mero and. Io Shirai was basically the final boss of their group and defeated Pentagon El Zero Miedo. And I remember watching her come up through the Mae Young Classic, the, the heel turn, with now the greatest women's wrestling music ever because uh, Tokyo Shock is like the banger. Uh, former NXT Women's Champion, former NXT Women's Tag Team Champion, former WWE Women's Tag Team Champion. She won Money in the Bank by literally climbing over Bailey and Becky Lynch climbing over the old regime saying that, hey, I'm going to be part of the new regime. I'm going to help lead this charge in the women's division. I'm going to help set the new standard for Joshi in the WWE. So congratulations both to E.O. Shirai and Bailey for getting their guaranteed WrestleMania main event spot. Um, we cut backstage where Nick Allens and Adam Pierce are both trying to bargain for the signatures of Braun Breaker and Jade Cargill. To their brands, obviously, whichever one gets either one of them is the show to watch. We um we were supposed to get the in-ring debut of the Final Testament, Karrion Cross and AOP with Precious Paul Elring and Scarlett Bordeaux. Obviously, that didn't happen because Bobby Lash and the Street Profits just wanted to fight, and we kept on brawling and brawling. Um, it looked as if Bobby Lashley was about to get the upper hand on Karrion Cross before Scarlett once again interferes and raced the eyes. Breaks the eyes, but fear not. As I guess we're gonna call him the pride until like I'll call him the pride, but like it's not been official yet. Like it's not been officially named yet. And hopefully now with this newest inclusion, it will be made official. As B Fab, a former hit row fame, comes out and saves and equals the odds against Scarlet. And the final testament hitting a big pump kit. B-Fab now with her red braids, wearing her all gold. Like, she is now part of this faction. Because, like, eventually, eventually, like, we have to do something about the women when we have a woman in our faction. Like, we can't just up and say, mm, yo, like, it's three of y'all. What are y'all going to do? No, there's four of us. We have this woman on our side, and we know you can't hit her. So we're going to bring in somebody who can, a woman. So... Hopefully now we'll start to get some matches from this Final Testament Pride feud because, like, baby, I got to do something at some point. And then we get the segments. Yes, sir. Like, instantly SmackDown became a one-segment show when the Tribal Chief blessed us lowly Alabamians with his presence and basically dog walks over whatever Seth Rollins had to say this past Monday on Raw. Basically saying that I've beaten everybody that has ever competed for that championship. And that that might as well just be the second rate the second rate division. And tells Cody, I'm not gonna beg you to face me. 
like Seth Rollins, yeah, no pop. I'm just gonna leave on that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause on that disrespect because a lot of my friends were in, were in all uh, WWE Live. And if you're listening to this and you caught yourself in SmackDown Live, um, at Birmingham, Alabama, on the second, why y'all let Roman Reigns do that? Why y'all let Roman Reigns get that exactly no pop off? Why y'all, y'all should have said something for Seth Rollins because that's the, that was the most disrespectful part of the whole promo to me. Like, my little brother Seth Rollins pauses. Exactly no pop. That hurt my soul. Oh man, that was, that was brutal. Joe came to the Magic City and showed his backside. But yeah, basically tells Cody, you can either be the very best number two in the world or you can take a crack at the head of the table. The choice is yours. Cody Rose says that despite what Seth Rollins says, he still does want the WWE Championship because the WWE Championship comes with everything. It comes with the admiration. It comes with the fans. It comes with it comes with the head of the table. He still wants the WWE Championship because that is still the championship that they placed in Dusty Rhodes' hand in Madison Square Garden and then immediately took away because what you can't do in wrestling, win a title by disqualification. So, yes, the same championship that I had to watch get taken out of my father's hand in Madison Square Garden, I do still want. Just not at WrestleMania. And he says one of the men who's counseled him on this decision is someone that Roman Reigns knows very well if you smell what The Rock is cooking. He he acknowledges Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes acknowledges him. And very sadly, Cody Rhodes walks to the back and SmackDown ends with the perfect face-to-face. Ladies and gentlemen, it's happening. It's happening. I don't know where it's happening, but it's happening. It is happening. We are getting it. Roman Reigns will go one-on-one with The Rock somewhere. It could be Mania. could be Perth. It could be next Friday. Like, we never know. But one thing that I know for certain, I know a setup when I see it. The Rock is in the building. The Rock is going for another world championship match. Ten right I mean, ten years after his last one. Like it's been about ten years since the Rockets held a WWE championship and now he has confronted the undisputed head of the table, who just so happened to be his cousin. But the question is, does this now come at the expense of Cody Rose's story? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was this week in wrestling like I said, everything that has happened following the Rumble has spit in the face of all of our WrestleMania plans. The um, the allegations, the injuries. It's just a tumultuous time right now, but I am devoted to making sure that you guys know what's happening, know what's going to happen. And hey, if you have some um, thoughts of where this could go, make sure you follow the Nerds Watching Wrestling Podcast Facebook page and leave us some comments about how do you feel about Roman Reigns interjecting himself in the story and anything else that you might have had some questions about. I'm sorry. And let us know how you feel about The Rock interjecting himself into Cody Rose's story. Let us know how you feel about which champion might be 
might be the bigger champion. And let us know basically any questions you might have for the podcast that you might want answered or a story that you might want to talk about. Let us know on our Nerds Watching Wrestling Facebook page. That is all I have for you guys today. Like I said, I'm about to get ready to go tune into NXT Vengeance Day, watch this banger of a show. For Nerds Watching Wrestling, I am SWS ZJ Pierce reminding y'all that even if it's just one of us, we be nerds for life. Thank <laughs> you.